Father, you see how desperately we need you, and Lord, tonight we just acknowledge that need, and Lord, uh, come to you rejoicing because we know that we're heard, uh, we know that you hear us, and, and Lord, you will answer us according to the promises of your word, and so Lord, in every theater of need, in every category that we've identified for prayer tonight. Lord, let the promises of your word be made reality. Lord, we trust you for the resources. We trust you for the workers. Lord, we trust you for the grace, the mercy. We trust you for open doors. We're trusting you for salvations. Not, not, not people coming into a form of godliness, but no reality. Lord, we're trusting you for open doors that will allow us to truly bring people to saving faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, for people to meet you. Uh, the Lord Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one could get to you, Father. No, no one can come to the Father but, but by him. And so, Lord, we want to be effective in preaching the gospel. We want to be effective in preaching Jesus, the cross of Calvary, the finished work of Calvary as the, the only way that lost men can have their sin dealt with and be truly reconciled to you and, and to one another. And, Lord, outside the gospel, there's no hope. And so, Lord, would you make us uh, ministers of the gospel by giving us those open doors? Lord, we trust you for that. Lord, we trust you uh, for your blessing. And, Lord, we're doing the work that you called us to. We're making disciples. Would you bless the work of our hands? Would you establish the work of our hands for your own glory? Lord, would you help us to be people of the book? Lord, deliver us from being a people who go by our thoughts, our feelings, uh, what seems right in our own eyes. Don't let us be foolish like Israel of old when she had no king and everyone just does what's right in their own eyes and, and ends, up, ends up offending you. Lord, help us to be a people who tremble at your word. Help us to be a people who recognize that, God, when you speak, we must listen. And you're the only one that's right. You're the only one that's true. If we're going to have truth in our life, it has to be what your word says. And, and Lord, these are things that a lost man cannot comprehend. Uh, a lost woman cannot understand. A lost man uh, does not like the idea of your word being a final authority. And yet, it doesn't change the facts of it. And, and Lord, uh, you know, in thanking you for your word and thanking you for it as our final authority, we need your help to communicate its truths and its precepts to those who so desperately need it. But, Lord, you said it pleases you to, to use the weak and the foolish of this world in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And so, Lord, we want to just present ourselves qualified for you to use. We're weak, we're foolish, the world sees that, the world will think that, and yet we can proclaim the words of the living God. Empower us to do that for your own glory. God, would you help us to be fruitful? Would you help us to be useful? Help us to be profitable? Uh, Christ gave everything in order to purchase us. Uh, he shed his blood and sacrificed his life in order to gain ours. He's worth everything, and so, Lord... Father, we want to make the Lord Jesus proud and, 
and you see all the distractions. You see how we're like little children, and we get so easily distracted, and, and yet, Lord, the work is there, and the mission, the, the desperate need in the mission, has, it never diminishes, it never lessens, and, uh, and we're like little kids who got distracted. We know the chores that we're to do, and, and, and there's too many bright and shiny things that, that steal away our attention, oh God. Would you capture the hearts of the members of MBT? Lord, that all of us would say that you are our vision. Lord, bless us for your glory. Make us fruitful. Lord, use us in the lives of hurting people during this time. We beg it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so with that, we need wisdom. Okay, so the outlines are on the Facebook link. They should be. I don't know. Um, Brandon disappeared while I was praying. Did it wrap? Did we miss the rapture? Surely. Not just Brandon. Okay, so I don't know if Brandon, if it's not on mbtkc.org. Where's Brandon? Oh, right over here. Okay, you didn't get raptured. Is the handout on... The, okay, so it's on the, tonight's handout is on the main page. It's on the Facebook live stream link. It's on the YouTube link. Or it's printed for you. You would have gotten a copy on the way in. If you didn't get a copy and you want hard copy, raise your hand right now, and somebody from Connections will hook you up. Otherwise, we're going to get to work. Oh, right over uh, in the lobby. They don't have the sound on. Can you hear me in the lobby? Is there anybody in the lobby? Any, anyone? 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 Okay. Okay, so oh, I, think, I think we just had the one. All right. We're in Proverbs chapter 8. It's been a minute. Uh, we started chapter 8 looking at wisdom, okay? We started looking at wisdom. And what we saw in verses 1 through 3, that wisdom, wherever you're going, wisdom speaking before you get there. And the question is, are we listening? If we're not listening, then we're not going to hear what she has to say. And, uh, you know, bottom line, if you're wondering why you're not hearing wisdom speak, well, then just ask for appointment. James chapter 1 tells us to ask of God and, and to do it in faith. We want to ask in faith for wisdom, and God will give it. He'll give it liberally. And then, and then in verses 4 down through, I think we, I think we finished off in verse 17, uh, in verses 4 through 17, we saw all the excellent things that wisdom is declaring, what wisdom is declaring. And so, um, if you did not get that, the, the notes and the message and the PowerPoint, all of that is on our website, mbtkc.org. We're going to pick it up tonight. We're just going to continue point number three. We're going to see what wisdom is declaring, and she's declaring her value what she has to say is important, and you want to listen. And so we'll just pick it up here in verse 18. Wisdom, she says, riches, riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches and righteousness. I don't know what's happened to your, your retirement account with all the, the craziness over the last several weeks, but, but many of us took drastic hits. If you were around trying to, trying to work for a retirement back in 2008 and 2009, you know those were dark days. Those were very difficult days. And you realize that the, the riches that you place in the stock market are not necessarily durable. 
right? Some of these things, right? Some of these resources can just vaporize right before your eyes. And wisdom is saying, I've got riches that will last. Durable riches, and watch this, and righteousness. She says, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I will wager... Okay, what we're doing right now is we're opening, I don't know if it's smart to say I'll place a bet in church from the pulpit here at MBT, but, but if I were a betting man, I would wager that, and just any of you, I think this would apply to any of you, that if all of a sudden, somehow, some way, you knew where $100,000 worth of gold and silver were hidden, somebody just lost it, it's buried somewhere, and somehow you got the map, somehow you got, you know what you would do. You wouldn't wait for us to dismiss. You would get up right now, and you'd go straight there with your shovel, your pick, your hoe, and you would start working for that gold and that silver. And wisdom is saying, what I got's better than that. Does that make sense? And yet, we know how we're wired. Gold gets our attention, doesn't it? I mean, it absolutely gets our attention. She says, my wisdom, right, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. And when you run the cross-references, and we've already done this, we looked at this in chapter 2, you know that when wisdom's speaking, the treasure that she is speaking, the gift that she's giving is the Word of God. When we saw Proverbs chapter 2, for example, we're to cry after knowledge and lift up our voice for understanding. We're to seek after wisdom as silver. We're to search for her as for hid treasure. Uh, We ought to be as anxious to get what God has for us in this book as somebody would be to go get, you know, a million dollars in gold buried somewhere. I mean, that would flat. Okay, so maybe 100K won't put you to work. Let's say it's $5 million in, in gold bars, $5 million worth of gold buried somewhere. It's, it's 10 feet down. You would dig a 10-foot hole so fast. <laughs> you wouldn't care that it's hot. You wouldn't care that you're getting dehydrated. You would work your tail off to get that gold, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he ain't lying. <laughs> he ain't lying. It's exactly what you'd be doing. <laughs> when was the last time we labored that much, that hard in the Word of God. Amen? We've got our priorities messed up. She's speaking the Word of God, and it's riches and blessings to those that will hear. Look at the next verse. She says, I'm leading, right? Verse 20, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me, watch this now, here it is again, to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. I cause them to inherit substance. It's substantial. It's tangible, and I will fill their treasures. So underline that word in your notes or in your Bible, to inherit substance, to inherit substance. See, wisdom is blessing, and the, and the riches are coming to those that will listen to what she has to say. And what is that substance? Well, those who are following the Word of God in an Old Testament dispensation, the Jewish people, God's peculiar chosen people, they literally would inherit substance. They were promised a land. They were promised a literal physical kingdom. So they would inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's what it's called in your Bible. 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, I would invite you to go out to the lobby and look at the path to growth that we have in the lobby. Find out where you're at on that path. And eventually, if you'll follow that path, you're going to meet me in LFBI, and you'll have me in my Matthew class, and we'll get you straightened out on the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God. You say, okay, the kingdom of heaven, that's a literal physical kingdom. What about the kingdom of God? Well, that's a spiritual kingdom. That's our relationship with God. And a lot of God's people, when they get that, they're like, praise the Lord. But there's something in the back of their mind that's like, man, bummer. We don't get anything. What? It's the kingdom of God. You get God himself. God is your father. You are his child. You dwell in him. He dwells in you. You become one with the living God. And you're, kingdom of God, that's a better deal. But oh, there's a city. I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, this place, pretty sweet. Okay. My daughter just got married to my new son. And they live in a matchbox. <laughs> there's barely room for them and the cat. Okay. I mean, it's. Uh, they're hard workers, they're working hard, and one, I know one of the objectives is gonna to be to come to the place where they can buy a sweet pad. Okay, they're gonna work very hard in order to be able to buy a house someday. Uh, buying that house, that's a big deal for most people. That's, that's, like a, that's a mark in life, that's something that you're shooting for. Um, I, 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 you buy, I mean, let's, let's say you made it and you bought a house that was worth several million dollars. It's a shack. Okay, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. That place, that city, four square, Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem, they pave it with gold. That's the street. And it's not just gold. I mean, it's, it's so pure. It's trans the light of God can shine through it. Okay, this is like hyper marvel gold. I mean, it's amazing. It's a sweet pad. Okay, so there is stuff, but forget, heaven is Jesus. That's just what it is. Heaven is Jesus. So the Old Testament Jew inherits the kingdom of heaven. The New Testament, there is reward at the judgment seat of Christ, and I give you the cross-references for that. We've covered that. Uh, some of you may not know what I'm talking about with that. You just keep coming, and you'll get clued in, but, but there's some homework to get you started. 1 Corinthians 3, Romans chapter 8, 2 Timothy chapter 2, all talk about you, if you live your life in service to the king, you will rule and reign with him. There will be reward for you uh, when you meet God face to face. By way of contrast, you can live your life for Christ. You can live your life for the flesh. And fleshly living does not inherit the kingdom of God. No life in the flesh has a place in the kingdom of God. And so don't forget that. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, it's those who take up their cross and suffer with Christ, who minister with Christ that rule and reign with him. Those are the ones who are joint heirs with him. And this is why Colossians chapter 3, 23 tells you, whatever you do, do it heartily. Be wholehearted in it. Serve as unto the Lord and not unto men. Why? Verse 24 says, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Man, that awesome? That's so good. Whatever our Keaton calls us to, let's do it heartily. Let's let the whole of our life fall out to his glory. 
let's, whatever we do, let's do it heartily as unto the Lord. All glory be to God, and there'll be a reward. Now, this is where it gets dicey. Okay, we're in verse 22, and we're going to look at wisdom's history. And in verses 22, um, really it's, it's, it's verses 22 all the way down uh, to, to verse uh, 31. This is the part that's probably most in debate. And people will say, who is this woman wisdom? And so get this down in your notes. When we come to this passage in, in Proverbs chapter 8, people try to identify personified wisdom. Okay, who is the person that is wisdom. And a lot of people will look at the characteristics and it'll freak them out just a little bit and they'll be like, man, it sure looks like Jesus. There's so many perfect cross-references with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so they run all their cross-references and then they're like, you know, maybe before his incarnation, Jesus was female or something like that. Is it the pre-incarnate Christ? Is that who is talking here? And uh, what we're going to see is, no, it's not. This is not the pre-incarnate Christ, but she does share his attributes, okay? She does share Christ's attributes. So get this down in your notes. Wisdom looks like the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of his attributes. Attributes is what goes in your blank. And we've got several cross-references there. You can study those out. What you'll see here in Proverbs chapter 8 in terms of the attributes of wisdom compared with the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's another way to say this. Wisdom is something that God is. God is wisdom, but yet at the same time, it's something that God has because it's his attribute. Does that make sense? Uh, If you want to get the sum total on wisdom, you come to the the wise one. You come to God. Uh, Wisdom is an attribute of God. And it's personified here. Okay, so we're not talking about an actual entity. God is describing something, an attribute of his, and he's framing it in terms of personhood. Does that make sense? If you make wisdom the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, well, then you'll have some problems as we get down, and I'll, I'll try to remember to point these out as we come down through the text. It's, uh, your cross-references aren't going to work for you if you make wisdom the person of Christ himself before his incarnation. And all of the other pronouns describing God in your Bible are what? They're male. God is a he, okay? So we can't can't miss that. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, wherever the earth was. And so here's the first thing that we know about God's wisdom is it predates creation. Creation is the next blank. So wisdom was, right, it it predates, God's wisdom predates creation itself. And so this is the attribute of Christ that was actively a part of who he was. It was actively at work before the world itself began, before the creation of all things. 
And so wisdom here is confessing the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. The Lord has me. The Lord possessed me before he got to work. Okay, so, you know, how does that make sense then that one member of the Trinity is possessing another member of the Trinity when three are one, right? So, so that would be one argument. The way the NIV translate it, translate it, uh, translates it here is the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. That's what it communicates. I was, in other words, I was the first thing that God made. Uh, okay, that's not going to work. Okay, how do, you, how do you make wisdom when that's what God has, right? That's an attribute of God. So it's an attribute of God. It's something that's true of him. And that's what the language here supports. Okay, so it predates creation, verse 24. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, not created, right? Uh, the NIV renders it as his first work. No, it's brought forth because God creates with wisdom, okay? I was brought forth when there were no fountains abounding with water, so brought forth is not begetting, but rather it's manifestation. Does that make sense? So if there, is a, if there is some aspect of my character or my nature that you don't see, but then I do something or say, I say something that reveals that aspect of my character, it was there the whole time. I'm just now manifesting it to you. Does that make sense? So what does God do at the beginning of creation? Well, he's like, let's do this with wisdom. So it's not the creating of wisdom, it's the manifesting of the wisdom of God that was already there. And so in verses 24 through 29, what we're gonna see here is God by wisdom created. And as you compare scripture with scripture, we're not gonna spend a lot of time on it because this is a smart group and, and we've tread all of this ground before. But when you read John chapter one, how did God create in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word is what created everything in John chapter 1. So by the Word, He created, but by wisdom, He created. So there's the parallel. When God creates, right, when God created everything, God chose Jesus to be the start or the beginning of creation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, talking about Jesus, it says, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Okay, so Jesus, with wisdom, speaking his word, let there be, and it was, and it was awesome. Why? Because he did it with wisdom. Verse 24, talking about uh, the depths and the fountains, we see that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. In verses 25 through 26, before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the highest part of the dust of the earth. And so that is in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 9. The earth was brought forth. And so what you have is a separation of the waters, and then you've got the earth being brought forth. So all of that lines up with the creation account. Verses 27 through 29 line up with Genesis chapter 1. And again, we don't have time to cover all of this. I'll let you study it out. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, 6 and 7 verses 14 through 19. Um, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass face of the earth upon the face of the depth, 
when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Okay, so the foundations of the earth. This, this planet that we live on is not like any other celestial body. Uh, it is, as you study scripture, you find out it is the oldest celestial body. The earth was created first. The universe was created after. But the earth, it wasn't, right? God didn't just create some mud and make a big, make a big mud ball and, and work it from there. No, the, he built this thing. It has foundations, okay? It is a construct, and, and you can't see what's in the earth, but the Bible talks about the foundations of the earth, and, and what are they made of? I don't know. Well, maybe we'll get a tour. That'd be great. But it has foundations, and, and uh, I gave you just a handful of the cross-references for that. Then it has a compass. Okay, he says, wisdom says, I was there when he set a compass upon the face of the deep. Psalms 48, 2 says, beautiful, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Uh, this planet is so aligned that it points to the throne of God. Uh, the third heaven, Mount Zion, okay, this is in the sides of the north, and we give you cross-references for that. Um, you know, the, the, the order, the direction of the points of the compass, those were ordered by God. And they're used to teach us his truth. They're used to teach us his way. Um, but there are many things like that in physical creation. If we pay attention, we're learning things about God. We're learning things about how God instructs us. If we take the word of God and we, and we apply it to physical creation, we get insight into the nature and the directives of God himself. Uh, so the Lord has foundations. Um, it, has, it is ordered by a compass that God designed. Uh, you know, somewhere past the North Star is Mount Zion. That's the, that is the construct of the cosmos. Verse 30, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. So it makes sense that wisdom was daily Christ's delight, God's delight. That just, that's good common sense. God just rejoicing in the wisdom that he has. That makes sense, right? But when was it that wisdom was delighting with the sons of men. Point to your time in Bible history because the first son that men ever had was what? Not very wise. Murdered his little brother. So when did wisdom delight with the sons of men? Um, by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, there's a massive reset button. You've got a corrupted genome. I mean, it's great. You've got to get on that path to growth and meet me in Genesis. The truth is far stranger than, I mean, it's far stranger than, than, than fiction. Uh, what God has in that book will blow your mind. 
and it's all in the pages of Scripture. Uh, so it, it was bad. And then by the time you get to Genesis chapter 10, uh, the, 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 the descent into rebellion and wickedness is already repeating under Nimrod and, and uh, God. It's so bad that God has to divide the family of earth into several nations. And, and so what do you do with that? Um, Abraham, God calls Abraham out of a pagan land, out of a, out of a people who worship devils, you know, and, he tries, and he's making a, a chosen people, and, and uh, they go down to Egypt, and it's, I mean, it's bad. Um, they come out of Egypt, and they're crying out to God. God delivers them. They get into the promised land, and then you just see cycles of rebellion against God. When did, when did wisdom delight in the sons of men? I want to submit to you that there's two places where that fits really well. At the end of Genesis chapter 4, you see probably the greatest revival in the history of the world. Um, uh, probably there will never be another quite like it. The only thing that will come close is the revival that will take place during the time of great tribulation. And you see from Revelation chapter 5 and 7 that it's uncountable. It's massive. It's a massive revival. But in Genesis chapter 4, you come down to the end of the chapter and you see that Enos trained up his children in the way that they should go. And those kids made disciples of their kids. And men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, that would be a time where wisdom would delight. And then what would be another time that wisdom would delight in the sons of men? Uh, it would be when we become the sons of God. That would be a time when wisdom would delight in the sons of men. Whenever we're following the words, right? We're following her voice. We're following her words. We follow the word of God. That would be a time of delight. Verse 30. I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. Okay, so who is wisdom. She's personified, and I think the reason she's personified, and I can only do this by comparing Scripture with Scripture, uh, I'm not going to be adamant with you, but I think that wisdom is the blueprint for the church. That's what I think. Look how she's described being with the Lord. In other words, God's Word ought to be our Word, right? You read Proverbs 31, you see the value of a virtuous woman, and then you go to Ephesians chapter 5, and you see how Christ is sanctifying a bride, right? He is, he is sanctifying a bride so that he can delight in her. So wisdom, she's a blueprint for the church to follow. Uh, what she says ought to be what we're saying. When you speak, you ought to be speaking wisdom. When you speak, it ought to be the Word of God coming out of your mouth. What you ought to be saying to your disciples is the same thing that wisdom is saying to you and I today, what we're seeing tonight in Proverbs chapter 8. So whenever you sit down to disciple someone, listen, what I'm about to give you is better than gold or silver, choice gold, choice silver. And if you will listen to what I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. It is better than anything else this world can offer you. This will put you in a right place, in a right position before the Creator Himself. We ought to be talking like wisdom, because we're the bride of Christ. 
And so just like God by wisdom established a fruitful creation, so also God wants to work through us. The word of God should be coming out of us. We ought to be fruitful by wisdom, by speaking his word, living his word. And we see that in verse 35. Whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. So God wants you to be fruitful by wisdom. Verse, we're out of time. Let me, let me give you the rest of this very quickly, and uh, I'll give you the rest of this as homework. Sound good? Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be lazy. You can, you can do this. Okay. Okay, just real quick, verses 32 through 34. Verse 32, there's a blessing for those that keep wisdom's ways. So we want to hear verse 33. Don't refuse what wisdom is saying. Verse 34, blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Okay, so beware. If you think wisdom isn't valuable, that can destroy you. You want in your life what God's word is saying over it. Okay, so what about the door? Man, we ought to be at the door. Okay, who is the door? You know who the door is. So be daily at the gate, listening. Be blessed. Seek after him. Proverbs 2, 3. Psalms 25. Ephesians chapter 1. Why? Because whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain the favor of the Lord. Whenever the word of God it is alive, okay? This sword of the spirit is a quickening word. It gives life to the believer. So whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Uh, life is a common theme in Proverbs, and again, here's just a handful of cross-references for that. Uh, this is who Jesus is. He literally is life to us, John 14, 6. And in terms of favor, well, we've been accepted in the beloved. Don't we have the favor of God once we're in Christ? In Romans 8, we are God's child. That's favor. And at the end of Romans chapter 8, nothing can separate us from his love. Man, that is life. That is favor. Okay, so speaking of favor, you want to talk about being favored, you're redeemed by the shed blood of Christ. You've been forgiven. You've been justified. You've been made righteous in him. You've been born again. You've been saved. You've been cleansed. You've even been adopted. Come on. God loves you massively. He loves you. It's amazing. Here's the warning, verse 36. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul, and all they that hate me love death. Uh, that's a heavy verse. We may have to just come back and spend a whole night on that. See, the soul is eternal. Uh, this, if, you could, if you could own this whole planet and lose your soul, that's not a good deal. Christ equates himself with his word. And so from the person of Christ to his word, to reject him, to reject him, to reject his word, you do it because you love death. Read John chapter 3. Light comes into the world, and people love darkness rather than light. So they reject the word of God. They go a way that's right in their own eyes because they don't love. Remember who Jesus is? He is the way, the truth, and what? The life. So to reject him automatically means, well, it's because you love death. And it is shocking. It is shocking when someone who rejects Christ, they see him for who he is, but they reject him because their deeds are evil. 
This is the condemnation, John chapter 3, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Verse 36 says, He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Man, that ought to sober us. You say, well, I'm saved, I'm born again. God's not willing that any would perish. Are you? Are you willing that someone would die in their sin and go to hell? This is why, oh man, we want God to use us to open eyes and see the convicting power of God's word brought to bear in the lives of the lost. Can I pray for you before we dismiss? And uh, we'll close up. If you have a need, there'll be some leaders here uh, down front. Grab one of us. We'd love to pray and counsel with you. Father, Lord, help us to receive wisdom. Lord, help us to see in your word the treasure that you have for us there. Lord, help us to tremble at your word and to recognize that what we're seeing, what we're reading, what we're hearing, what, we're, what we have the privilege to understand is the very word and heart. Uh, it is the word of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, it's your word. It's your will. And it's manifest to us through the person, the life, the sacrifice, the finished work of Christ himself. And so, God, help us to treasure what he has to say. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight that, may, you know, maybe they're at a place where they don't know that they're born again. They don't know that they've been forgiven. They don't know that if they were to die today that they would spend eternity with you because Jesus Christ is their Savior, their God, and their Lord. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for all of us that, Lord, we'd allow your love to be confirmed in our hearts, that we'd be able to see how greatly you love us. You're not willing that any would perish. God, you so love the world that you gave the Lord Jesus Christ to us to be a sacrifice for our sin. The Lord, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, Lord, thank you for everlasting life. Thank you for the privilege of being your child. Lord, we want that for everyone. And so, Lord, would you open doors for us? Would you use us to be ministers of the gospel? Would you use us to speak like wisdom, to be like wisdom, and to give treasure to our disciples, to our spiritual children, for their good and, Lord, for your glory? We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. You are dismissed. Do me a favor. Look around. And if there's somebody that you don't recognize, that you don't know, make sure you introduce yourself and get to know them just a little bit before you go. All right? I love you. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>